Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So we're going to be in the book of James. So I know every time there's a guest speaker, they'll be like, these are my favorite verses and this is my favorite book of the Bible, but it's true. James is my favorite book of the Bible. So if you got it, you can flip it open. James chapter one. Uh, If you don't have it, you can flip on the back whole map printed out the whole thing on there if the notes suck too uh it's my fault not matt's fault he asked me for notes and i was like oh yeah 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 i got i got notes i can make notes for you so those are my fault but we'll try our best to hit all the all the blanks um if i was stranded alone on a desert island james would be one of the only books i I could read it every day i love everything about it i love how he speaks to the people who are reading it i love how straightforward he is about tough subjects i love everything about it i'm not sure if it's the right choice to be stranded alone with but if i had to pick one it would be it i adore it um if i have trouble reading it it's because my james is so marked up i can barely read it sometimes but we're going to try and get through the whole chapter one tonight. So as we get through this, I want you to think of like uh, moving from comfortable to uncomfortable, right? When you, when you read the book of James, you have to remember God is moving a people from comfortable to uncomfortable. And Pastor James is giving them advice on what they're going to encounter when they move into uncomfortable, right? When you're, in, when, you're, when you're comfortable, you don't experience the same things when you're uncomfortable, right? Comfortable is relative. Each of us find comfortability in different areas depending on like how we grew up or the neighborhood we are around or the city we grew up in, right? Like, the person with 10 kids can be comfortable in chaos. The person, uh, the only child can be comfortable in silence, but I guarantee you when God makes you uncomfortable, you will experience the same thing just like these people that we're going to read about tonight. Okay, the people that we're going to read about are Jewish Christians. Okay, we learned that from the first verse in here. I'm just going to, you guys can hear me, right? Do I sound weird? Sound weird? No? Okay. I'm watching you to make sure if I sound weird. Uh, The first verse, you can see it. James, a servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The people that we're going to be reading about are dispersed. If you think about the word dispersed, what it means is they're forcibly Uh, spread out from everything that they know, love, and care about to a place where they're uncomfortable, don't know, and don't know what to expect. Uh, A real picture is just what Pastor Matt was talking about, right? The people in Afghanistan are being dispersed, not necessarily because they're Christians. They're being dispersed. The people that get out on the plane, they're put from where they lived at, from where they were comfortable into a place where they're uncomfortable. They don't speak the same language as nobody. They don't wear the same clothes as the people they're going to live with. They're, they don't even know where to shop at, right? Like they don't know where the grocery store is at. Everything about their life's about to be uncomfortable. Same idea. These people were dispersed because they're Christians, right? Like they, the movement have got too much momentum. There was too many. There was too much going on. Too, like the fire was getting too hot and they were, the leadership would be like, how do we put this fire out? Disperse them. Spread them out. Now, that's one perspective. The other perspective is that, like, God's doing this intentionally because if that fire keeps going, you're not going to be able to put it out. And that's what James is trying to get at. He's trying to tell these people, no, 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 just because you're in an uncomfortable situation, don't let it squash the fire out. Because if we keep the fire going, it won't be able to be put out. All right. So the people we're reading about are Jewish Christians. They've been dispersed. So they are going through a couple different things. And James does us, man, some huge favors, defining some words that we get twisted sometimes. Uh, We're going to talk about trials. We're going to talk about temptation. And we're going to talk about hearing and doing God's word. 
those are the things we're going to talk about tonight. So a couple, a couple uh, little definitions for you. I'll do your first blank, even though I'm not a, not used to it. A trial is a circumstance that God allows you to go through for the benefit of deepening your faith. Okay, a trial is a circumstance that God allows you to go through with sole intent is to deepen your walk with Christ. It's not always easy to hear, but that's the truth, right? When we go through th difficult things, God's intent is to make sure you end up closer to him. So let's read a little bit about as he tells us about the trials that are going on and what we should do with them. He starts it off and he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete and lacking nothing. The first piece of advice that Pastor James gives these people is to count it all joy when you meet trials. And don't you love it when, you know, when God tells you to do the exact like opposite of what like you feel like you should do when you're going through a trial, you think of these people dispersed into a brand new place, right? Everything is probably like a little horrible. And he's like, yeah, yeah. count it all joy that you're in this trial. And it says he needs his people to remember why they're in this trial. You're not having this trial because you're not doing anything. You're in this trial because I'm moving still. I'm putting you in this new place, in this new situation, because you can do it because I'm with you. And because this trial is going to produce something very, very special in you. It's not just like uh, you're going to be smarter, right? No, it's going to produce steadfastness. Because if you have a group of people who go through something and God produces steadfast, steadfastness in their life, as they get older, you're never going to be able to convince them that God's not real. Never. Their faith will be too strong. They'll be unmovable because they've been through too much, right? That's one of the reasons they disperse them so they can't even go through it together, right? Because when you go through something together, you're that close. God is trying to produce steadfastness in these people's lives. And James is trying to remind them, like as you're, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to get into a plane. You just think about it opposite. If you, if we're like, all right, everybody get into a plane. We're going to Afghanistan. I'm going to disperse you guys tomorrow. How would you think it would feel to go to a place where you don't know nobody, everybody dresses different than you, no one talks the same, you can't even communicate with anybody. Could you imagine someone come, and then Pastor Matt, when you get there, he calls you on the cell phone, like, doo -doo -doo -doo. hey, uh, I know it's really hard right now, but just be really happy, okay? Be really happy that you're in this place and it's really hard. You'd be like, take me home, hang up on that dude. Because you, it doesn't make sense, but in God's world, it makes sense. Because if that person realizes I'm in this place because God has me here, because I'm actually here to reach these people that he's now put me around, uh, like I now have a new job to do, even though my circumstance might be tough. The next group of people that James talks to is somebody, like those people would be like your diehard people, right? Like people would be like, yeah, okay, okay, we're here, let's do it. These people, the next one he's talking to, probably are more like your regular people that are going through a really tough time. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, is driven and tossed by the wind. For that the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. He says, if, if you're in a spot and you lack wisdom, go to the right source for it. Right? We, where do we go when we want to, when we need some wisdom nowadays? Just where do people go? Smart people. Where, where, where do smart people go to find wisdom? Google. 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 Who, where else? Where else do we go? I don't know if Matt talks back to you guys, but I'm going to, so... Where do, you, where, where do you go to get wisdom? 
Media, yeah, yeah, where else? It's funny when you say it out loud, right? You're like, I don't know if that's where wisdom comes from, but that's for sure where I go for answer. Alexa, Alexa, what do I do with trials, Alexa? James is reminding them, if you're in a spot and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, for the believer, there's only one like right place to turn first, and that's to the Lord. And he's reminding them of that because like, remember, the people he's writing to are probably in a state where they're like, I don't even know what's happening right now. He's saying, if any of you lacks wisdom and doesn't know what to do right now, come to me because I've always told you that I will give it to you. No matter how much of it you need, I will give it to you. And it says, don't come to him doubting that he's gonna do something because just like Nina was up here trying to preach my sermon wide during worship tonight, but uh, like, don't come to me doubting because then you, then I'm not the God who I said I am. Come to me and know that I'm gonna give you the wisdom that you asked for. And then he says, let the lowly brother, we're in verse nine, if you're with me, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Lowly is another word for poor. Lowly brother exalt in his, or uh, boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. He's leveling the playing field. He's reminding everybody that rich or poor, you are nothing without Christ, right? You, you hear over and over in the Bible where it says it's gonna be hard for the rich man to enter heaven because he has too many pursuits. He has too much stuff, right? And he said the poor person is gonna have an easier time getting to heaven because all they have is Christ. He's just leveling the playing field. He's reminding both sides that like without Christ, you're nothing. All of your, all of your just bank accounts full, rims are spinning, great. But if you don't have Christ in your life, you have nothing. He's evening the playing field. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. This is the other huge favor that James gives us is he gives us the like, he gives us the definition of temptation. And uh, I think this is one that we get twisted all the time, right? He, he's laying out that like every one of us, when you move from comfortable to uncomfortable, you're going to have trials, which you need to remember come from the Lord. You're going to have temptations that come across your path. And you need to know what to do with them. He's saying temptation by itself isn't sin. Right? Like, think about it. Like, if you ever know anybody who's dealt with addiction, addiction, like a habitual bad habit that turns into like a really, really bad habit and keeps getting worse. If you talk to, like, I have a friend, he's, I won't say his name because it's being recorded, uh, but he was struggling with like pain pill addiction, right? He was, it started off with like an injury and then it got worse and then it got worse and then it got worse. And one day we were talking about it and I was like, well, when do you like decide if you're going to like keep doing it or not? And he said, Literally, I'll get, he'll, he used the word like triggered, right? Like he gets tempted by something, something he sees, something he smells, someone he's around. And then he says, but the moment in my head that I decide to do it, I'm already 10 steps down the road. Even though he's got to go call the guy, he's got to go get the stuff. He's got to find a place to do it. He's got to figure out how to be safe and figure out what to do afterwards to make sure no one sees that he's doing it. He's already done it in his head as soon as he decides to do it. And that's a picture of temptation that James is drawing here. It's like, yes, we're all going to be tempted. 
being tempted is not is not is not the bad thing. Acting on it is the bad thing. Making it happen is the bad thing. Temptation for each one of us will look different. It's going to come across our path undoubtedly, and it'll be different for everybody. But when it says like temptation comes, and then it, it we're lured away by our own desires, right? We remember that God doesn't tempt us. Where the devil tempts us with our own desires and drags us away, right? And when sin comes in to play, you are not going to be in a deep relationship with the Lord, right? That's the whole idea of sin. Drag away from God, right? Like trials, deeper sin, further away from the Lord. Pastor James is explaining to them, temptation is going to come. Remember that it doesn't come from God. It comes from the evil one. And it's meant to pull you away from him. Because remember, when you're in a new place, you don't have to be the same person that you used to be, right? These people, even though dispersed, are now getting a new opportunity to be somebody totally different. Like, because nobody knows them, right? So they also have the temptation to be like, well, I don't have to be that same person. I actually can, if, if I see a, like an opportunity to take advantage of these people, I could do that. I could make money off them. I could take advantage of them in a bunch of ways, right? You, these people would be tempted to wander away from how they used to live and maybe even be tempted to take advantage of each other and therefore they're sinning. And James wanted to point out to them that like, okay, don't get caught up in this temptation and think that God's tempting you. He's not. The devil's tempting you because God's put you in this situation where he wants the result to be deeper faith. The devil wants the result for you to be further away from the Lord and have as shallow of a relationship with God as possible, right? Because you, you never, I never hear a Christian say like, oh man, my relationship with God is so shallow and so lame. I love it. It's so good. So we're so close right now, even though it's so superficial and, and boring. That No one ever says that because it's not true. Because the more sin that's in our life, the more shallow, the more like separation is between us and the Lord. And for us as like believers, that's the worst place you can be. The further away from God you are is the worst place you can be. And if you've ever been far from the Lord, like I didn't grow up in church. I don't know if all you guys grew up in church. But uh, if you knew how it was to feel like far from the Lord and then knows how it feels to be like really close, it's really easy choice. Promise you, close, close to the Lord. That's where you want to be. James wants these people who are, who are hearing this to have a deep, close relationship with the Lord and not to get caught off guard because they're in a trial or because they're experiencing, they're experiencing a temptation. He doesn't want them to lose course. He says, do not be deceived, uh, my beloved brothers. I love how he, I love the affection he uses for the people that he's writing to. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He's saying, just remember that good stuff is from the Lord. Sometimes it comes in a package that we don't like, trial, right? Bad stuff, temptations, that's not from God. That's from the other one. And then he leaves us with this last piece of advice and he draws a picture that's probably one of my most favorite in the whole, the whole Bible. He talks about hearing and doing the word. And I think, uh, man, this last year and a half, I feel like I have seen a lot of people doing a lot of hearing I don't think I've seen a lot of people doing a lot of doing. And almost like we forget, we forgot what we were supposed to do. <laughs> I talked to uh, some pastor friends of mine in a different state and they're like, 
haven't seen their neighbors in like 18 months. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, because we can't forget as believers that no matter if we're going through a trial or experiencing a temptation, it doesn't change the mission of what God has for you to do. Nothing changes that for us, right? If you're like, okay, God, this is my life. It's all yours. I want to follow you. No circumstance you walk into dissolves your need to like accomplish the mission he has for you. Nothing. There's literally nothing. Along the way, there's only trials to bring us deeper and there's temptations to try and drag us away. But our mission's still the same. And James kind of rams this point home. Uh, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. It's important to remember that he doesn't say, don't do anything. Just stay right where you are and like watch TV all the time. He didn't say that. And that's our, that would be our reaction to, to, you know, like a hard situation would be, oh, well, I'm just going to wait it out and not do anything. I've heard a lot of people be like, yeah, yeah, we're just, we're just waiting stuff out. I, what are you waiting for? I don't know what you're waiting for. We're, you can't wait forever. God wants us to keep moving forward with our hands dirty, not sit in one spot and wonder what we're going to do. All right. For, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. No anger examples God's righteousness. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive the meekness of the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He's reminding them that the simple gospel that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save you from your sins and take you to heaven with him was implanted into these people. These people were early Christians. They would have, they, they would have saw things that we don't get to see. They would hear things. They were closer to it than any of us get to be. It was implanted inside of them. And my guess is he's having to write this because maybe they're starting to forget it. Or maybe they're starting to behave like they forgot it. But God doesn't want like fair weather followers. He wants people that are, that are like ride or die with him. And he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and when he goes away at once, forgets what he looks like. I love that picture, right? Because it, it kind of, it gives us a really good idea of, uh, it's really easy to just sit and listen, right? It's really easy to just absorb right? Our, our whole culture wants you to just sit there and just absorb everything all the time. Just listen, 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 and not do anything, right? Almost like you're frozen with information. And James is reminding these people, like, your job right now, remember, in this new situation that's hard, it's difficult. Your job right now isn't to sit in one spot and just hear. Like, your job is to do. Because a Hearer that only listens never does anything. If all we do as believers, right? Like we're not, we're not here on this earth to just listen to God's voice. We're not here on this earth just, the God didn't leave us the Holy Spirit for us to just hear some words or read a book. He left us here with work to do and that work comes in the form of people. And those people, he's probably already put around you. There's people around each and every one of us, and that's on purpose. Like wherever God puts you, dispersed in a neighborhood, at a job, at a school, wherever he puts you is on purpose. The people he puts around you are on purpose. If you are surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, guess what? 
He just assigned you to be a missionary. It's on purpose because, but, and you can't accomplish that work by just listening, right? If, if I was to be like, oh man, my, my car's broken. I'm going to listen to someone tell me how to fix it. You think I'd get, you think I'd fix it? Big, 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 maybe I need to do my, I need a head gasket or something, something super hard. You think someone could just explain that to me and I could just do it? Or how about like, uh, let's say you didn't have a house and you needed to build one. And I was like, oh, I'll tell you how to do it. And then you just do it, right? Like, you'll just know how to do it just by hearing me. Like, that's not how it works. You can't just hear something and then do it. You have to like put your hands on it and get dirty and walk alongside people and do stuff together. You can, we cannot exist as believers just listening to snack bites from the media or just listening to like some podcast where some guy talks in like really cool quotable, you know, things to put on t-shirts. You're not going to get by like that. Our mission is not caught up in hearing. Our mission is caught up in taking what you hear and putting it into action. And James knows if, if the people do that, if God's people do that, right? Like, here's this plan, scatter them, right? Let's squash the fire. If, if that fire keeps going, nothing will stop the movement of God. But if these people are like, yeah, this, this kind of sucks. I'm just gonna, just gonna put it on, take the backseat for a little while. Just like, you know, just ride it out, coast, autopilot, not do anything, watch everything fall apart, and then maybe, you know, I'll jump in where I can. That's not going to keep the momentum of God's people moving forward. It's not. We can't be just, it's so, it's so important right now. I think this year in particular, the believers are known for doing. Because if you have, I don't know if anybody has any non-Christian friends, but I think uh, this last year and a half, people were like, oh yeah, okay, when stuff gets hard, Christians go into their building and they don't come out. Or they abandon their building and they stay at home and they don't come out. That's not the mission. The mission can't be done from home. The mission has to be done on foot, in front of people, face to face. It has to. And that's what James is trying to remind these people is like, you cannot just be hearers of the word. You must, must, must be doers. And then he gives you like the lamest picture ever, right? Like if, if you're a hearer, just a hearer of the word, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. And when you walk away, forgetting what you look like. How ridiculous is that? Right? Like you forgot that was you just in the mirror. He's trying to paint the picture. Like it's, just to listen would be ridiculous to not put action behind it. Now, what action do you put behind it? Man, like that depends on like who God's put you around, right? Like these people, what's the action they need to take? They need, they need to keep moving forward, sharing the gospel that was implanted to them, to the people right around them. For some of us, that might look like loving those people who live right around us. For some of us, that might look like our coworkers at work that are really hard to deal with and maybe have different views or whatever than you, that you finally just act like that doesn't matter because it doesn't and love them anyway. That you invite someone into this room that isn't sitting here right now. It might look like that if you're at school that, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are like scared and frustrated and don't know what to do and comforting somebody who you love is a way to share God's love with somebody else. You can't do nothing. You have to do something. 
And James is trying to make them remember that no matter what the circumstance, because I would think the situation these Christians are in is, would be pretty intense, be really hard. Even in that circumstance, if you have a trial, it's from the Lord. He wants to be closer to you. If you have a temptation that's creeping into your life, what do you need to do with it? You need to catch it before it gives birth to sin. Or if you don't, you need to repent and lay it at God's feet. And then definitely you need to not just sit and listen. You got to pay attention to what's going on around you and be a doer of God's word. Last part, it says, uh, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Basically, he's, he's setting the bar high is what he's doing. He's saying that like, now the religion that's super important, he just gives like the two hardest groups to deal with from this time. Take care of orphans and widows and keep yourself unstained from the world. I would say, man, that's even hard to do now. Now, I think about even my own street that I live on. I live on like 32nd Street in Cactus, in case you want to come by, swim in the pool or whatever. Uh, right around me, there's a, there's a widow that lives on the corner. There's for sure a foster family that lives in the cul-de-sac. And like, it is hard to care for both of those people. It's not easy. I hope they're not watching so they don't know I'm trying to care for them. But like, it's hard to care for those people. They're in different situations. Both are really sad, right? James is reminding people that at God's very base of his heart, he cares about everybody, especially those people that are in like the roughest spot. And if you have some of those people around you, man, take special notice and love them well because they deserve it. They love you. God loves them and he wants them to feel his love. And you might be the person that he, he's trying to make sure they feel it through. Uh, let me make sure I got these all these blanks here. Uh, let's see. A, a trial is a circumstance. A temptation is something in your life that has the ability to cause you to sin. When we sin, we struggle to remain in deep relationship with the Lord. When faced with trials and temptations, it's very easy to become a spectator and not a participant. That's where like the hearing and doing comes in. It's super easy when you reach a hard place, just like I said, to sit back and watch and to not do anything. And it's very different to be a spectator than a participant, right? Like I can watch football, but playing football is very different. I can watch basketball, but playing basketball is very different. Spectator, participant, right? Like, you know, soccer mom in the stands or like on the field. God needs us on the field. Like he doesn't need a, he doesn't need a spectating, given our like opinion from the sidelines, like, oh, Pastor Matt, this is how you should do church over here, spectating from the sideline. No, you you need to jump in and help with whatever's going on. Be a participant. James's audience needed to be reminded that we aren't just here to hear God's word or to hear God's voice. We're here to do God's word or it should be obey or do God's word. We are here to obey God's voice. And my prayer for you guys tonight is just, uh, I know this is for somebody, right? I don't know if you're going through a, a trial in your life where you got something that's super difficult and you don't know what to do with it. And God's put you just in a weird situation. And you're like, I could, I, I don't know why I even am deserving of this. Right? Like, I don't know if that's where you're at tonight, but if you are, my prayer for you is that you be that recognize that God's trying to do something special with you. 
I can look back on any trial or moment in my life that God's brought me through. And it's only prepared me to deal with somebody later in that exact same situation. In the moment, there's like no good reason for it. You're like, this isn't even fair that I have to do this right now. But it's for, it's for somebody else who's going to need you in the future. And if you're, if you're dealing with some temptations in your life that uh, you're struggling with, man, I encourage you and I to lay those at God's feet. Don't walk out of here with that burden, without coming to his feet, putting him down and repenting of those sins and letting him go. The whole idea of repentance is like laying it down and then turning and not turning back to it. And I know this last year and a half as evidenced by like, uh, like every substance going up like a 400% increase in alcohol sales in the last year, there's a lot of people picking up old habits and there's a lot of people like uh, finding new ones. And if you started to find a new one that's, man, that's really not healthy for you, lay it down. Don't continue it and think you're just going to hide it from everybody. It's not going to happen. And last, lastly, if you have been sitting on the sidelines of even your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, or even this church, like jump in. It's time to jump in. Like one, two, three, go, ready, break. Let's do it. Because you got you to get in there. We can't, us as believers can't sit on the sidelines and think we're going to affect change. You can't affect change without proximity, right? I can't, <laughs> I, I can't make a difference in someone's life unless I know them and I'm close to them. You can't make a difference in people's lives unless you're close to them. If you've been avoiding people, get close. God's going to protect you.